Well, that was how the 2022 Melbourne Cup unfolded as we welcome you back to Sports Day. All the latest sports news today is brought to you by Irrigear. Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. Can Gold Trip go back to back? The first to win consecutive since Maccabi Diva, Jared, the man that we just heard, though. There's none better in oh. the world in Matty Hill. And there's very few better blokes that you get a chance to talk to. He's our very own Channel 10 Racing as well. He will be calling the race that stops the nation. He's been good enough to jump on with us. Matty, hello, my mate. That's very kind, Sammy. Thank you very much. Hi, Jared. Great to have you on board, Matt. Um, You'd be midway through your preparation. Is it uh, red or white wine just to rest the nerves? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a couple of patadoles, actually. Okay. This is very boring, isn't it? But uh, no, it all starts probably just after the Derby Day and when the field comes out for the Melbourne Cup. It's yep. a great time for the caller because you can uh, have a good look at the colours for about three days. Yes. And it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, really, race calling's about photographic memory, so you learn the colours on the spot, but the Melbourne Cup, you always just intrinsically look at every single horse. And yes. even when there's a little loose stop in the morning at four in the morning, I'll still double check to see which is number two and what colours are being worn by what jockey. And yeah, just it's just one of those things that uh, you just keep learning them and learning them. And uh, they're just absolutely stuck in the brain by, uh, by Tuesday. We were talking uh, at the top about favourite names and uh, favourite memories of the Melbourne Cup. How does a... How does a caller call the race like it was in 76 when Vanderham got across the line in a torrential downpour that would have had the jockeys splattered in mud? Well, it, it was like that, wasn't it? Uh, in fact, their mothers wouldn't have recognised them yep. coming round the turn. <laughs> it was uh, unbelievable. Uh, the scenes were extraordinary. And a lot of the race callers, I think, that called that day uh, would, have, uh, would have had a very, very hard time. Um, we're not going to have that this year, thank goodness. No. It's going to be 29 degrees and beautiful and sunny. But uh, the half the challenge of calling the Melbourne Cup is actually seeing the horses, particularly a track like Flemington, where uh, the track is so large. So that's where the binoculars are uh, so handy. Uh, but uh, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And the thing about calling races... It's not like a football game where you've got your mates with you or, or a radio program where you're being produced or um, anything like that. It's literally you on your own. You're there with your bare bones as far as a bench, a microphone stand, a pair of binoculars and you. And uh, I suppose that's what uh, attracted uh, some people to be mad enough to call races early in their life. Do you get a sponsorship from the binocular manufacturer? <laughs> uh, would, uh, seriously, the amount of raps I've given Carl Zeiss over the last 25 years, you'd think I'd get a free pair, wouldn't you? You would, but so no, they, don't don't, they don't spit up. No, not at all, Jeez. but uh, they are our best mates, those binoculars, yeah. and uh, uh, they're looked after uh, every inch of their life, let me tell you. Do you take a spare pair if you're like Hutto or my good self and you leave a pair every second week somewhere? <laughs> No, I don't, you know. Uh, I've got one pair and that is it, but it gets wrapped up in a yep. towel. It gets, it's, got, it's got about three coverings, uh, so they get very, very well looked after. I think Matty and I called a footy game uh, last year yeah. where I forgot my binoculars and he was very good just to sometimes lend me his as okay. I just bluff my way through an entire call, Jared. <laughs> well, sometimes you've got to do that. And I guess sometimes there's a bit of space to fill uh, when you can't see somebody who's uh, spinning in between two various horses. But what's your, what's your favourite Melbourne Cup story over the years? Look, it's the great thing about the Melbourne Cup and we've got another year where we're blessed with 
brilliant stories. Mm. Um, but as far as over the years, like, you can't beat um, Damien Oliver yep. uh, winning with Media Puzzle. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, losing his brother in a race uh, track fall the week before and coming out and winning the cup on, on Media Puzzle. That, uh, well, dare I say it, they could have made a movie about it, and they did. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Michelle Payne uh, being the first woman, and they made a movie about that too. So, um, no, but probably def- definitely Damien Oliver. And we've sort of really seemingly watched Damien Oliver grow up through yep. the Melbourne Cup when he won with Doremus in mm. 1995. He had that long surfer dude uh, haircut. Yes. Uh, said uh, to Johnny Letts after the race, I've just won the Melbourne Cup. And then, uh, of course, the sad time with Media Puzzle and then in a happier time uh, winning with uh, Fiorente for Gay Waterhouse. So uh, he's been a marvel and, and probably he's been a very, very linked to the Melbourne Cup, uh, probably the, a Melbourne Cup character just like Bart Cummings was. Yeah, unfortunately, we did speak to him earlier in the uh, program and um, the unfortunate thing of his retirement, it's just another body in the lineup down at Bells Beach, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> there's always room for one more, as we keep telling people. Well, he, I think he loves surfing more than you, and that's that's saying something. Yes, that's what my wife would say that, yes. <laughs> He's been a marvel. And I think the thing about Damien Oliver, wouldn't matter if it's the Melbourne Cup, Cox Plate, or if it's a you know, maiden at Werribee. Um, if he's in a tight finish, yeah. he's very, very hard to beat. How cruel is it going to be then, Alan Kerr, for all intents and purposes, Matty? Have you got a latest on on Alan Kerr? And if and, and if Alan Kerr doesn't get up, would there be anyone who might just say to a younger jockey, maybe just take a spell because Ollie's available? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, that's how racing works. It's a dog eat dog game. Um, Ollie's had just over thirty rides, I think, mm. in the Melbourne. Cup 31, I think. So uh, it was a little bit of a sad day, uh, Caulfield Cup day two weeks ago when he didn't have a ride and he did the obligatory uh, stand on the stewards tower and watch them run by. Um, so yeah, I'd like Alan Kerr to run actually because I think Alan Kerr's a chance at a, at a big price. Um, he's, he's running two Arc de Triumphs in France, that horse, and he's running the Mooney Valley Cup under Damien Oliver was very good. Uh, so hopefully he does get to the line because uh, he'd be a trifecta chance. And when do we actually find out? You'll probably find out uh, in the morning of the race, I'd say. Um, the veterinary examinations are done the day before and then there's another vet check done in the right. morning. So uh, I would say at the latest we'll know at uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So the fitness test is at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. A quick uh, couple of laps of Flemington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just a little trot up. Uh, and, of course, there's been more scrutiny on the Melbourne Cup horses yeah. uh, over the last uh, few years. So a couple of extra vet checks are, are thrown in. But um, the vet uh, has had a look at Alan Kerr today, and uh, that soreness is still there. So it's, it's not actually looking like Alan Kerr will run to my right. the way I'm reading between the lines, but uh, they're going to give it an extra day and, and hopefully it improves. Well, speaking to Matty Hill, the best race caller in the business, you'll uh, hear him doing the Channel 10 call tomorrow, his eighth Melbourne Cup. Matty, we, we were speaking before and, and Jared actually mentioned a horse that uh, he can vividly remember going back to back in the 60s, which was Rain Lover in uh, 67, yep. uh, sorry, 68, 69, and then no one's gone consecutively since Maccabi Diva. Um, and no, what? When was that? I uh, think big, I think. Oh, yes, you're right. Sorry, 74-75. Yeah. But what I was going to say, with Maccabi Diva after that, 
no one's actually gone back to back with different jockeys, okay. but that's the situation that might be unfolding for Gold Troop. So Mark Zara jumped off, Matty, um, yeah. the Caulfield Cup, and then now with James McDonald on board and Mark Zara's on without a fight, the Caulfield Cup winner, that would be a little piece of history and another little story to, to lead us into a Melbourne Cup that you say has Definitely. already got a heap of them. I think it's fair to say the story of Mark Zara over the last few days has been the story of this year's Cup, actually, uh, because a lot of people are wondering why on earth would you jump off the horse who won the Melbourne Cup, especially particularly being one of the favourites uh, the year before um, and winning the race. So I think I think uh, without a fight has to be respected. I mean, when this horse was winning races in Brisbane in June, everyone was declaring it as the Melbourne Cup winner. So it's probably flown under the radar a little bit. But Gold Trip, if you take the Irish horse out of the race, that's the favourite Vauban, Gold Trip's preparation has been outstanding. I mean, it's run in the Cox Plate was superb. It ran a fantastic race in the Caulfield Cup, momentarily held up on the turn. So for mine, I think Gold Trip's the horse to beat. I, I think Gold Trip will just about win the race. Um, this horse from Ireland, Vauban, there's something clinical about it. The, these Irish, they've, uh, they've they've won a jumps race with it 18 months ago yeah. and in the post-race interview at Cheltenham, Willie Mullen said, I'm going to win the Melbourne Cup. So, oh. uh, And he's a very good horse, Boban. So those two I think uh, are going to fight it out. It's a, an incredible story the way the, the race and the horses in the race has transformed since uh, Dermot World in 93 took the unbelievable challenge of uh, bringing vintage crop mm. along. It's 30 years ago now and uh, is it fair to say it's very difficult to win, or it's unusual for an Australian-based horse to win these days. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and Vintage Crop was the start of the internationalisation of the race. And since then, we've had the Japanese win it. We've had a German winner. Uh, and, and the English and the Irish. But what also has changed is the fact that we just don't breed horses to run the two miles anymore. Yeah. We don't even have really two-mile races uh, anymore. So uh, with the, the fact that the international people want to win it and the fact that we don't really supply horses for it, uh, it's, it's very rare for an Australian horse to, uh, to perform or perform well in it. Vowen declares the one story that has to be spoken about, mm. uh, winner of the race in 2019. He's actually the first horse since Malua in the 1800s to even compete in the Melbourne Cup four years after winning it. Mm. So he And he's an Australian bred horse. He's a marvel, Vowen declare, and he can actually win it. He'd be in the top six chances. If Vowen declare won tomorrow, the place would go ballistic. And in good form, too. A couple of people that I was speaking to um, yesterday saying that they think Vaughan Declare's racing as well as Vaughan Declare has ever raced. There's only two yeah. Australian bred horses in the race, Jared. Right You Are is the other one for Mar Eustace with Johnny Allen, yep. ironically, an Irish jockey uh, okay. on board. But um, is that how you're seeing Vaughan Declare, too, Maddie, racing as well as Vaughan Declare's ever raced? Yeah, uh, if there wasn't an eight eight next to his name for his age, an eight year old gelding, yep. uh, you'd be if he was a five year old, he'd just about be favourite. Uh, his run in the uh, might and power behind Alligator Blood was outstanding, and then he sat three wide the trip and ran really well in the Mooney Valley Cup. So he is going as well as ever. Um, and as I say, it's just his age that's turning punters off. It's like Jared walking into a nightclub. Oh. <laughs> 40 years ago. That, I reckon the last time I did that was when Dermot Well was on his way to on his way to Australia with a horse that no one had ever heard of. Have you got any outsiders for us? Which are the long shots that can get up? 
there's always a stinking outsider that fills a trifecta spot, isn't there? Yeah. Um, more Fallons is probably the one. Uh, this horse, formerly known as Scriptwriter in Ireland, uh, but we've got a scriptwriter here, so they've had to change its name to More Fallons, and its run in the Geelong Cup was very good. And I still think a horse called Akita Stushi, who's trained by Joseph O'Brien, can run two miles. It's at about 100 to 1 and, and could fill a hole as well. The, the stable mate of the favourite's an interesting one, Matty. There's just It's just got in under $10. I think there's a fourth favourite now. Has yeah, always yep. been the bridesmaid uh, absurd to Vorban. You've got to be careful of these stable mates. I mean, so, so many times a <laughs> legend has it that they're running, they're running uh, the smoky. That's just going to slide mm, in behind the favourite. Yeah. <laughs> mm, you know what? It's very, uh, very cautious of you and very clever to think that because um, it's got no weight and it's got a star rider in Zach Purden. Yep. And uh, he wouldn't come for no reason. He's a star in Hong Kong. And uh, being an old Coffs Harbour boy, he'd just want to win a Melbourne Cup. And this horse has been tra- travelling in races pretty well behind Vauban. Uh, and I would suggest that... Um, he is the Smokey that no one's talking about. Similarly to Vintage Crop, when no one was talking about Vintage Crop 30 years ago, he's the one that uh, you have to be very, very careful. We're going to uh, potentially not see Ollie run again or ride again tomorrow, which is which is a shame. Well, he ride, I assume, but uh, he won't be riding in the Melbourne Cup unless the horse makes a miraculous recovery. He's uh, he's won it three times. I think there's only one other jockey that's won it three times. In uh, was it Kieran McAvoy? Yep, and there's uh, he he's won it three times. Bossy. And there's uh, only oh, yeah. two that have won it. Two that have won it four. Okay. Times. So so yeah. if you had to rate the jockeys now that uh, Ollie's not far away from giving it away, would it be would it be easy to do a Mike Sheehan top ten? Oh, well. Or would you get too many noses out of joint? <laughs> the whips had come oh, out. No, I think no, I think uh, you know that's very much talked about around. Um, I was going to say the water coolers, yeah. but uh, more so around the bars. Uh, yeah. uh, I think the um, I, I think it's safe to say that uh, he's the greatest of all time yep. in my era. Uh, that, there's no doubt about that in the last, say, 30 or 40 years. Roy Higgins obviously goes in, and Bill Williamson. I mean, they're, they're three of the big names, and Darby Munro. I mean, there's a, a fantastic top four. Um, uh, make your own arrangements after that. Um and, and Scobie Breezley is another one. Mm. I mean, uh, they're, they're great uh, names, uh, and I'm sure Damien Oliver would be uh, very humbled to know that he's in that group, but he certainly yep. is. Yep. Uh, but in the modern era, he's certainly the best. It's it's obviously uh, it's like Labor uh, going up against uh, the, the likes of uh, Federer, etc., comparing yeah. them in, in different eras. I mean, clearly there's a lot more Group 1s these days than there would have been back in the 60s and the 50s. But yeah. I mean, how do you rate them? I mean, as you said, in the modern era, Ollie's clearly won the most uh, group ones, so he gets the tick. He's won all the big ones and uh, multiple times, so no question about that. But it's just so difficult comparing the greats oh, of 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And uh, I guess uh, some of the, the guides you can use are those big races. So races like the Oaks on Thursday, Oliver's won it seven times. Mm. Um, constantly, you look through the record books of the big races, and D. Oliver is uh, either in front or he's uh, he's up there. And uh, and the Melbourne Cup's exactly like that, being uh, a winner of three of them. So um, he's definitely uh, he's unsurpassed, at least in the last 30 or 40 years. So, Matty, is it for you, is, does it get any bigger 
I mean, this is a race that's watched by millions and millions, not just in our country, but around the world. It, I think, is the second richest turf race uh, on the planet. The winner gets $4.4 million. It's as big a race as there is anywhere in the world. Does that, is that, does that get lost on you? Do you put it to one side? Or as the man who has to bring that race to life and provide the soundtrack to it, um, you know, how does that all sit with you in the build-up to this? Or is it just another race in terms of your preparation? Uh, no, it's not just another race. It is um, it is the biggest thing we do, uh, for sure. Uh, for any sports broadcaster, um, and if you asked uh, sports broadcasters, uh, the likes of Ray Warren and, and, and uh, Bruce McAvaney, Peter Donegan, uh, that have uh, been before, and, and Greg Miles, my predecessor, this race, it, it's not... It's it, you talked about the prize money and and where it sits. Uh, I mean, uh, it's worth eight point four million, uh, but it's and it's not the richest race in the world. It's not the richest race in Australia, but it's one of the great sporting occasions of the world, and it's a tradition in this country. It's the one hundred and sixty third running um, of a race that stops the nation that we have a public holiday for, uh, and it's. It's a tradition of people opening up the form guide when they don't watch racing. They'll close their eyes and throw their hands down on the form guide and pick something because they like its colour or its name. <laughs> um, it's very, very Australian. And it's a chance for the broadcaster like myself to get out of that racing bubble and reach an audience that's very, very wide. And uh, no, so for me, it's... Um, it's a very special occasion, very very special sporting event, and uh, our country should be very proud of it. Clearly close second would be the Friday nights you've called uh, here in the studio with uh, Waitley and, uh, and Jono and uh, Tommy Russ and Fish and Chips help. at half time. No, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. If only the Coke machine worked. Yeah, that, that, would, certainly, <laughs> that would certainly help. Uh, what time do you kick off the coverage tomorrow? Uh, we'll be at the track at uh, quarter to eight tomorrow morning yep. uh, and uh, the cup's at three o'clock and uh, and then we've got another three races after that so it's it's a busy day but it's a great day and um, and I think uh, the thunderstorms are uh, have been forecast so hopefully mm. they come after the races too but yeah it is a terrific day we'll be there bright and early and uh, it's just great to walk in and get amongst it and they didn't bring Matt Damon around to meet the man that was calling the race at the Derby Day on Saturday, Matty. No, I tell you what, though, I was a, I'm a bit of a fan of I was a fan of the cause when I was a kid. I wouldn't mind meeting them tomorrow if uh, if they're around. <laughs> I know uh, uh, that'd be quite a highlight. But um, yeah, uh, you would you just would not know who's in those marquees. In fact, I'm surprised you boys haven't lobbed. I'm sure they'd leave you breathless if they did come around, and we know that whichever oh. horse wins will run away with it, Matty. Uh, yeah, enjoy the well, call. Then. I was going to say you should be there, mate, because you're so young. (laughs) Hope your glasses don't fog up, Matty. Have a great call. Good on you, boys. Uh, Matt Hill, the very best in the business, about to call his eighth Melbourne Cup. And, uh, Jared, uh, I know that we know him, and there might be a bit of recency bias for us, us, but uh, he is as good a race caller as I've heard anywhere in the world in any race I've I've listened to. Just an out-and-out star is Matty Hill.